Greetings, greetings everybody. How are you today? Welcome to the IG Live, 2 p.m. in East Africa, 11 a.m. GMT, wherever you are in the world. I am going to be having a conversation with one, Rosebel Kagumire, who is a very strong Pan-African feminist and uh, we are going to have a wonderful conversation around her own journey of becoming and what it took her to grow into the fully-fledged femi feminist that she is. I myself am very passionate about storytelling and um, was very much drawn into feminism from about 2016 thereabout when I was just starting to cap into the spaces of social justice and um, having grown up in an environment where my mom was really abused and the men around me were people who were harmful emotionally, violently, financially, spiritually even. Um, I was always really curious to understand how my aunts, my mother kept it together through it all. And so with time, I started seeing how violence has been normalized around me. Um, the domestic violence wasn't just happening in my home. It was also in the next house and it was in my whole village and then it was a whole community. And then it was everywhere. It was in the TV, it was in the newspapers. Um, and it's funny how the moment you start paying attention to something, that's when you start seeing more of it, you know. And um, getting to the, to the social justice space and realizing that there is a lot more than my dad beating up my mom than I knew of. Like, this violence existed in a system. Thank you, Kerubo. Nice to see you. <laughs> that this violence existed in a system and I needed to get to the bottom of it, you know. So let me just write the topic down here. The family. Right, so guys, keep coming in. I'm just writing the topic down here so that everybody who comes in can get it. Um, I can see Rosebell has just come in as well. So we're just uh, about to start. Fantastic. So before we begin this conversation, um, those who were not here just when I was beginning, my name is Onyango Utieno, or Rick's Poet, as I'm mostly known. And I'm having this conversation with one, Rosebel Kagumire, who is a Pan-African uh, feminist, fully-fledged, very strong, powerful person. And uh, I was just given a background of 
why I feel this conversation is important and why it is important to me as well. Having grown in an environment where the men around me, including my father, was extremely violent towards myself and my mom, and my uncles were also violent people towards their their wives and their children, and yet from a very young age, I, I did not feel friendly to chaos or violence and so I, I wanted to grow in a different way but there was no different way to see you know um, people around me made me feel like that was the life I have to accept that men are this way I have to accept that women belong to their place and this is the order of life that is what also seemingly um, the overbearing religion around me which was christianity uh looked like it was also preaching because uh, the man was at the top and men were at the top and i also remember questioning myself a lot like why is it that in many churches you have the men sitting at the pulpit that they want serving and then um in the congregation it's more women like it didn't make sense to me at the time and so through over the years as i've been like working with feminist groups and organizations reading feminist material understanding that first of all my mom was also a feminist i just didn't know the word existed from the way she fought for her voice from the way she fought for us um maybe the only sad part is she 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 got stuck in the trauma and growing up in that kind of space also affected us kids and being the firstborn i was probably <laughs> the first person in that line and it's taken me years upon years still work in progress to just get through the kind of pain that i had to endure and to see myself differently to imagine myself differently because the story is there's a particular way an African man has to be, there's a particular way an African woman has to be. And so all these lenses that are shoved down our minds really disidentify us because we don't get to live authentic lives. So I'm going to bring in Rosalind right now. Rosebell, sorry, Rosebell. <laughs> And why Rosalind is near my tongue, Rosebell. I'm going to bring in Rosebell right now so that we can have this conversation. There she hey. is. Let's arrange this properly. Yeah, I, I have to adjust my microphone, my camera, just a minute. Okay. Yeah, I think we can. Okay. Um, one minute, one minute. Let's see because okay, I think this is the right height of the yes, good. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Nyabo, greetings. Bye, Missouri Sana, Habari, Senegal, Dakar. I'm here freezing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I told you. To, I'm kind of creeping. I told you to come to Nairobi. We have really warm weather and, and good men that would. Um... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
First of all, your weather has been unpredictable too. I was there. I didn't see the weather, neither did I see the men. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you've been sneaking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I need to properly plan next time. Yeah, yes, please. How are you doing? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. It's 11 a.m. here. So, yeah. So, I woke up and started preparing to come enjoying this conversation. Yeah. Uh always, you know, I know. been your cheerleader, admired your work and yeah, so I was really happy that Thank we could you. make this work. Thank you so much uh even to, for agreeing to this. Um we've been meaning to have like a proper conversation. I remember the first time we came um and we talked about meeting in Nairobi and uh the schedules just couldn't agree. um but i felt i i felt for this year i mean we could start somewhere you know um and i mean there's so much going on in the world right now we are almost forgetting ourselves you know yes so, absolutely i've been seeing you issuing um opinion thoughts on very serious platforms on what's happening in ukraine right now um and today i i want you to talk about yourself Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something we don't get to enjoy so much because you're always into very serious things about other people. Um today I I want us to talk about you and get to know who Rosbel really is. Um because I mean you've been doing incredible work and actually I want to read your bio so that people just have an idea of what I'm talking about, right? Um you probably heard this a thousand times, but either way it still feels nice and you know. Um yeah Rosbel is it Kagumire 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 which one how do you say it Kagumire 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 okay. not <laughs> Kagumire Rosbel Kagumire okay so Rosbel Kagumire is a writer a human rights defender and social politi- social political commentator She is currently the curator and editor of africanfeminism.com, a platform that documents narratives and experiences of African women on the continent and the diaspora. She has expertise in media, gender, peace and conflict issues. Her writing appears in international media like The Guardian, Al Jazeera and Quartz. She sits on the panel of international judges for the Trace Prize for investigative reporting, a, prestigi- a prestigious award for investigative journalism that aims to uncover business bribery or related financial crimes around the world heavy stuff with over 10 years of experience in media and communications rose bell has worked as a communications officer for women's link worldwide and the un migration agency as a social media manager she holds a masters in media peace and conflict studies from united nations mandated university for peace in costa rica In 2018, I'm finishing. She was honored with the Anna, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Gay Anna Gay Award for her advocacy for digital democracy, justice and equality by Africtivists, a network of African activists. She is a member of the World Economic Forum Global Young Leaders Girl. You're doing a lot. Thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> I like you say I am not used to be the center of the limelight. You know, sometimes it's difficult for people to understand, but most of the time I'm just talking about 
things and other people and situations. Yeah. Uh, talking about myself is really very, very small of what I do. Uh, yet every day as you, of course, do your work, you carry yourself along. You're reflected in that work. Thank yeah. you. Which is something that I noticed because everywhere I'm reading about you, it's stuff to do with, you know, I mean, your work and the feminism and the writing and the journalism. I'm like, where can I read Rose? Where is her story? <laughs> you know, so I was like, I'll just look for it directly from her and document it so that people also just have another. Because I think like activists for most parts, um, it's almost like your life is erased because you know, people don't, don't get to hear these other sides of you. We see you almost as a product because there are these things we also expect you to be doing, talk about every single day of your life. And in some way, there's some kind, some kind of entitlement even people end up having because of the kind of work you do. And um, it's almost like you can never have downtime. You can never feel sexy. There's no other space for you to do other things, right? And so I'm like, I want to humanize this person. I want to see, you know, and hear these other sides of this person. With the questions I have and just, you know, the stories she's, she's about to, to, to share with us today. And so I, I hope you're prepared to talk. <laughs> I am. I, I think it's, um, yeah, oftentimes, of course, we concentrate on the work. Um, and yeah, you're right. In terms of the story, I always felt like I need to tell my story like in a coherent way. And, but I also like a mystery. <laughs> so, so giving snippets of the story, um, I hope someday, like soon to have my own book where I can actually tell the story. So I think a lot of times I'm, you know, what should I share? How do I share it? But it's not really held back by anything, but it just feels like um, a lot of the times is really just on the work. And I love Instagram because I can do whatever I want here. <laughs> I can do whatever I want and I can be... I can be myself in a different way um, and oftentimes also detached from work, even as I do the work. Well, only people who follow you on Instagram would understand what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the biggest things I've really been curious about you is, um, of course, I met you. Uh, I can't even remember how we ever met, but... Uh, or I got to know your work, of your work. Um, but I've been curious, um, at what point did it come to you that you need to be a feminist? At what point did it occur to you that this is something that is really important? Because none of us were born understanding this thing exists. And I mean, depending on the spaces you grew up in, maybe there are things we saw that had us starting to think differently from our communities, from our environment and all that. What, what point did it start for you and what was happening at the time? I think there is no one point, to be honest. Like life is a journey and the process of self-identification continues. It's a lifelong process. Uh, but I just wanted to say that 
to know, like to say, when did you decide to be a feminist? We have to understand then what is feminism, e even its broader sense. What are the fundamentals? Because we know there are feminisms, but what is feminism in its broader, like, what are the fundamentals? And I, I think that it's both a theory and a practice and a politics um, that is dedicated to uh, elimination of sexist and sex uh, and, and, uh, sex sex-based um, discrimination and exploitation, um, which we know in the world uh, that um, puts women, um, children, um, uh, section gender minorities and other, uh, other people at a very, you know, at, at the lowest of hierarchy, we live in a hierarchical world, and and the lower you go, the different factors that make you go lower. The any any ladder, you become um, um, uh, uh, available for exploitation. In that sense, the system makes you available for ex exploitation. But it's not even only about women, but it goes in depth in terms of looking at who are the women, even within the different categories. Uh, it's how patriarchy, you can't talk about feminism without talking about patriarchy, then how it's really patriarchy, which is a rule of men and the belief that men are superior and just like white supremacy, but applied to men. Right. Uh, the fact that they are the top, they have to, they, they have to lead, they have to be everywhere, they must determine everything, the resources in, in the world. Uh, and, and really that whole system, that system of patriarchy then really intersects with other systems of oppression like racism imperialism uh homophobia you know which is also you know like a subsection of that but also like in terms of class classism you know whether you're poor or from a higher social um income status and whether your religion in a particular in a given uh, place for example in kenya uganda um where muslims are minority there's a very heavy islamophobia uh that is in systems so so you you you, you realize that the, the the points of separation of, of uh, discrimination are really very many but what ties them together is also the patriarchy at the, at, the, uh, at the center and how this patriarchy relates to, to, to capital, to, to religion, to other social indicators. I think that we need to unpack that a little bit yes. uh, in order to understand. Yes. But um, I don't think everybody starts off like with this grand understanding of, of the things. Yeah. Uh, but as a woman, as a, as a woman born, uh, born in an African country, in a formerly colonized country, uh, you, you grow up with the specific challenges that, uh, and, and a certain norm uh, that expects you to be quiet, you know, not question, right from home to school, to the street, uh, and the entitlement of men, even within your family, to your space, to you, and the constant feeling that you're told to be smaller, to be, to, to not be yourself, uh, because men, you know, it's not for anything. It's not like the reference is always like, you can't take that, your brother needs it, or you can't be like that, your brother. There has to be a reference point. There's a reason why you're asked to be less. And you have to question that reference point. Why is that reference point? So I think that then to come back to the question is that you start really early as a young, as a kid, you start really seeing this, the way the world expects you to, to move. 
um, in a very different way. You know, whether it's you're like five years old, six years old, your aunties or your father asking you to sit in a certain way, the, the way it's not expected of your brother. You you get this, but of course you're young. You don't you you know the injustice, and the children know injustice very well, more than even most adults probably, uh, and they know that. But slowly the system, because we can't talk about that without the system. The system is so is so ingrained that it socializes you then to quieten that voice to say no actually this is how things are, are are supposed to be so you you slowly grow into accepting many of the things but i think that a lot of people rebel navigate negotiate yeah uh, we don't always accept the operation i think we navigate there are things we accept you know we start accepting there are things we negotiate there are things we outrightly reject so it depends you know so i think that it's a journey that i as a person um i've come from that background where my parents are educated um even if i grew up in a rural area uh, i was still privileged because my parents had gone to school my grandfather was a teacher i knew that there was no way any of my parents would ever say don't go to school because your brother has to go you know the typical things you start seeing um within a family household um or someone would expect me to be married at a certain age because you know um for fate your studies this is the priority i didn't grow up in a household where for example the feeling of like marriage is a priority you know all these things that are shoved down on young women so definitely i think that within that observing that observing your privilege and how other people are not like you but also the the constraints within your family within your society you slowly for, formulate that kind of um um you you come at that point where you you like what can best describe my feeling about this mm -hmm. uh, and i never found it until like everything was scattered not connected like i did not understand why this system is like this until then you discover feminism you realize you've been struggling with it but the words the labels the theory when you read it gives you the words and what it, like it's like finally you can find the language to express yourself that's how i feel yeah right and um do you remember when you first came across that name feminism um i really i really know like um so my background definitely i went to uh, when i went to university and studied journalism right so even at university of course never met anything like that it, our education system um is going to give you the basics of what you need but in terms of challenging you to go beyond is is still very lacking so for me it was post university studies and um doing my masters uh i had by the time i did my masters i had really been i had been a journalist that covered war in south sudan and northern uganda I had covered the 2007 Kenya post-election violence uh, from the Ugandan side, and you know, so so I I really had an idea of how systems can fail people, ordinary people, from that point, from the point of practice as a journalist, you you have a very privileged idea to just question different stories, experience different stories uh, than an an everyday person, and see the machinations and the. Act 
uh, how power works to be able to see how power works is really um at an early age in your early 20s in the depths of things um then by the time i go to to do my masters then i i went, uh, when i i was introduced to this i was like this makes sense i had been reading bits but this finally finally made sense to me right right interesting uh for most parts uh many men around me around us when they hear the word feminism it's just chaos you know because they approach it with lots of fear and i do remember that was very similar to me as well around 2015 2016 i had heard the word being thrown around and then the picture of it that you're given isn't exactly what it really is so even as i've grown up like just you know uh, familiarizing myself with with feminist material feminist theory feminist practices i'm i've been slowly getting the sense of what my mother was trying to communicate by fighting my dad back you know and yet sometimes there were parts of the patriarchy that she would also enable for example um there were certain in in my culture being a luo coming from you know western kenya in in some of that practices some of the practices around food okay there were certain parts of the chicken that a woman or, that gives it <laughs> yeah, gives it exactly she she shouldn't she shouldn't eat it so, so my mom like we would just be chilling at home she's done chicken she's a great cook and all that and then i'm sitting there with my sister and she's saying uh because your father is not in the house you're the one to eat this part of the chicken and i'm like that doesn't make sense to me what is my sister seeing you know and so politely i would tell her um let let my sister eat that part of the chicken if she would want i'm not going to eat just because it's the obligation or a privilege just because i'm a guy and there are many other small mannerisms that were very much hidden in everyday life that we we never got to see and yet they played a part in informing us that you know uh, it is a place a man has that is almost very 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 big bigger than children bigger than women bigger than any other people who identify themselves differently and so even in that context because my parents were also teachers they did interact with many people um i mean i was i was i was um exposed to cultures from a very young age because i mean being a teacher you know you you have uh, access to so many students they like you they come around your space and all that so i i i saw that with my parents and being that they were good with kids um there was that early exposure around like other cultures and how people really work but i'm also curious to know um the privilege you had around going to school because your parents did understand the need for education uh as a woman for you as a girl for you um were there any mannerisms at home that you could share or recall that also mm-hmm. enabled the other side of things so the privilege part where you know you're allowed to go to school you know um they understand the importance of education is a good things good things good things were there other mm-hmm. things at home in the mixture of that privilege that still took you back 
subconsciously or without knowing that were saying messages that were saying a man is better or on top of you um actually it's both i i was reflecting on what you said about chicken <laughs> the first time i ate a gizzard i was so disappointed in man <laughs> what you been asking people not to eat who you can eat it the rest of your life i don't like gizzard <laughs> my word <laughs> Imagine. I was so disappointed like who your entire humanity is linked to this little testless thing <laughs> Good readers <laughs> I could not understand for the life of me <laughs> how someone could sit somewhere and make privilege based on such testless things <laughs> That is who most of us are we are very testless we don't know man <laughs> So I even asked my mom how is this possible because you know the same family when when my dad is there she, yes. he would eat the gizzard but I, i i mean i never paid attention to it i had first of all growing up in the village if you don't have that much money you eat chicken once in a while yeah. uh, and this is my part of the country uh, yeah. or, or the continent yeah. and When you have the chicken, as a child, you love your chicken. I don't care about the other parts, but I was aware that this is saved for my dad, right? Yeah. Um, but when I find like, I think I must have been like 18 years when I tried to eat a gizzard. And you know, when I came to Kampala, gizzards were being sold on the streets. I was so confused. <laughs> It's like, what's going on? <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I, I said, okay, I need to try this thing. and it was so tasteless <laughs> so up to now i'm not a fan of gizzards but but i also know like from my grandmother so it's not just a nuclear family my grandmother could not eat chicken oh. uh, even until she was uh, she died and in many cases also she didn't eat goat so most times i actually put some goat meat in her meat. <laughs> i just felt that rebellion like how can society make someone not enjoy goat meat <laughs> because that was what it was women could not eat any nice thing can you imagine like um you know looking at like even nutrition value of the best things uh women uh, people breastfeeding you know doing all these things even women's health right like to deny them the sources of protein and all this for me that is really violence when i think of food and the limitations that were put on women that's when really i get worked up on the level of pettiness and violence of patriarchy you know and the violence that you would actually cook this you were in charge of cooking you never tested imagine the socialization and the violence that goes into a society to make sure that someone who cooks something does not eat it even ever think of trying it i could not believe it i could not believe it uh, so so for me those things i was already seeing at this um of course um growing up like um a journey what my grandmother could not eat or was taught not to eat and up to even if it was available even if we could buy it for her she could not eat it because society had taken away that inability to enjoy something for me that was the violence that 
was like you know i could not believe it my mom eats everything she wants uh, and i eat whatever i want but i saw my grandmother you know and i lived my mother was a working mother she was she was, she was a, she's a retired veterinarian so i spent early years with my grandmother looking after us you know when my mother is going to work so she was like you know a grandmother but almost like my second mother and also my grandmother so to see her in and unable to eat those things was very violent and, and it's really i couldn't believe it but also in in many ways in many ways the way you know um she was expected to take in because my parent my grandmother this is my maternal grandmother um had uh, got married and then my grandfather she had uh, five kids five uh, girls and four boys and the boys died you know at a very young age and 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 when the last young uh, boy who died as a young man my grandfather left her totally to st- to to marry another woman he had been seeing this other woman and now this was the last last thing he did he moved to another family entirely abandoning my aunties my mom was the only person who was lucky to have already made it she was studying her diploma and uh, this is in the 70s and imagine the upheaval that was happening in the Uganda with Idamin your own father Ali Seventus leaving you to another family altogether and i saw how abandonment affected my grandmother she was always sad, like not always sad but there was something broken i grew up knowing she had been left because she didn't have sons mm-hmm. and that that really um uh, bothered me from an early age i understood what had happened uh, and it was so bothersome like it it wasn't like inside like with my parents but it was my grandmother she was like my mother my second mother and i saw how she struggled you know uh, yes you know my grandfather left her land you know did not you know, you know uh, left her some land but i saw how that affected my aunties they couldn't go far in school my my mother struggled to educate them these are teenagers your father abandoning you with teenagers you're barely out of your teenagehood and she she just was even the the abandonment and um and the trauma is with my mother even up to now i see it um it 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 it, it grew up with me i was so aware of this trauma and i just could not understand and my grandfather was an, like a bad person you know what i mean that's how when you come to learn of systems and how society pushes you he was a well to do he was a teacher he was a very respectable man with a great home he was one of the maybe richer people in the village and from that my par- my my aunties and my mom went to the bottom almost of society you know that trauma of like and what was it all because because you're a girl i was so aware of that and that really fi- uh, fueled like we have to do something we have to be better we have to like anything like i have to do everything in my power to make my my grandmother's life better i was at a young age aware that i must i must like like justice must begin in my home you know there were so many gruesome things that had been done to my grandmother and i just could not understand how that that could just be seen as something that could be done to a human being so for me that is very painful and after now um as somebody she passed away in 2017 and i looked after her like from my first salary to to the last her death like including renovating her house doing everything from the little money i could get if she told me she needed something i could not sleep 
I couldn't sleep because for me it was like she already been taken through so much. Like the best we can do is try as much as we can to make her life even what what is left of her life let us see some joy let us see something you know um and of course you cannot atone or you cannot atone or take away that pain entirely but you understand growing up with a burden of making people better like addressing people's trauma you it's it's already a trauma already passed on to you so i grew up like that you know even up to now like the, the consequences of those actions uh with a generation is It's still I see carry it I had to work extra hard I had to to make sure my grandmother um um has you know well be her well being was my burden because her kids had been abandoned they didn't go far in school they married at a very young age uh, and without any guidance and any of that uh, uh, love they had been grown up with and suddenly their father was nowhere to be seen you know and i could see that it was slowly understanding the the sheer you know extent of 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 trauma that this man had caused and yet he was a good guy like actually he would come by once in a while he was we, we were excited i remember being excited about him because he was a teacher he was always so smart and you know and calm he was not in terms of like physical violence or in, he was not that it was not all of those yet he managed to cause all this because you have to hold a societal expectation that you must go outside and look for sons even if you had the most brilliant daughters like my aunties were um, the most brilliant people i know even up to now even if they didn't go far but their life was just cut like this they could have become anything you know so so for me that pain it would it, it just it it always sits there like no <laughs> like no you can't you how and and that's how i understand that someone a man can be good as a person but society patriarchy gives him power to violate and he will violate and uh, and and those two things are, are both true so so for me for me i saw that and uh, and and also my grandfather like in his older age because he's catholic you know in his older age he requested that he returns to my grandmother's house because he wished to die in his real home I was so traumatized <laughs> because this woman I was struggling we were all struggling to look after this woman there was a person who had brought all this and I could see that re-traumatization in my grandmother who she was like livid you know but you she couldn't do anything all the land she was on belonged to that man you know legally culturally you know he had to come the house she was still in was the house he had built we had renovated it and uh, and uh, added some structure he died at her place after 40 something years of abandonment you understand like <laughs> so i'm telling you so it might not be maybe um, in terms of like in those uh, apart from that experience where like within my own family to be honest i never there were never any major things i felt like what deterring me uh for example my my mom was always working my father not around much um with us uh so i i i grew up like when you are a teenager and you have my brothers i have four brothers and four uh, three little ones uh younger ones and one older one and my mom used to tell me if they don't fetch water you live in a village so to to eat you must fetch water you must you know 
uh, go to the plantation, weed and dig. And I have done that. We were doing all that work. And when it came to home chores, like she told me, if someone does not do this, don't do that. And, and many times I remember my, my brothers running off in the evening to go play football, like in late afternoon and returning at, at nine. And I've been at home with my other kid brother, and I actually, I remember one time I cooked my own food with my brother, for the little brother. I made sure he ate. I went to bed, cleaned all the saucepan, and I went to sleep. And they came later. There was no food. And I had them, like, cooking and cursing me. And I was laughing out loud. But, but my mama told me, you don't do, like, no one, right now in my family, even when we go back for Christmas, cooking you know, I sleep, I like to sleep in the morning. My brothers make breakfast, you know. Um, yeah, so everybody grew up knowing what to do, cooking, you know. It's not like this is a woman's job. We, I never washed anyone's clothes, not even my dad's clothes. Uh, my, my, my brothers wash their own clothes, and sometimes I could throw my own clothes at them to wash them. So I, I, I just uh, felt like from that, uh, in terms of, like, really upbringing, I genuinely did not feel that much of, like, okay, my parents were molding me to be this and i was i was a very intelligent kid like i was always the first one in the class so i grew up with so much attention from home from relatives they were always and i was very outspoken i could entertain guests i could do whatever so i i i don't apart from the the general like from my grandparents and what was happening um as a child as as a person i also uh grew up like with with this privilege of not feeling like uh, you're a girl, you must do this, you must do that. I didn't have that. But uh, I grew up in a household where my mother was also the main breadwinner. So that dynamic also um, had a lot of impact on how I came to be in, uh, to, to understand. Uh, because I could see that a woman could earn as twice as you are, but he had to come, she had to make sure she knows what I'm taking to school, whether I've done what, the double work of women. I, I know it personally, like uh, the, the enormous labor that my mother did for me uh, is there. So all those things shaped me in a way that, no, like something got to change, you know. But, but it's, I arrived at from the point like there was so much of women in my family that had been so hurt, so traumatized. Like I needed to do something. Like I needed to do something. Their the trauma is my trauma, you know. Sorry, I went on and on. <laughs> we never get to hear about you, okay? This is why I brought you here today. <laughs> Where would I hear you talking about your grandmother anywhere? So, amazing, amazing. Um, there are two things that I'm getting that I'm also just thinking about uh, reverberating at the back of my mind. And uh, one of them is how easy it is... Um, I mean, you could be a good person and good is relative, really, but you can be, you know, kind in, you know, the general sense of things, but also very harmful, even subconsciously, you know, and as a result of the kind of violent systems we grew up around in, for example, this person, this uh, grandfather, he, 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 he was, he was okay, he was fine, he was kind, but then the idea that he could not live without male children or having male children just allowed that part of him and he took that love elsewhere you know he took that love elsewhere and so all of a sudden your grandmother now was there forsaken and 
she's feeling like maybe she's not good enough anymore and she's not a person anymore and then now this man who you know like the male gaze is this thing that all of us look up to and so now when that thing is taken away from you then you feel like you're nothing and the second part mm-hmm. which, which is i'm also curious about you um these things happen within relationships right um you know like yes you know growing up i'm told you know a man this is a man's place and all that and all that that is the information the manifestation happens in relationships you know and so i'm actually curious like you growing up strong willed as you are um i don't know i didn't ask you this but uh are you a heterosexual woman would you Ah, <laughs> now it's okay. <laughs> it's very important to ask and not, and not assume. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, yeah, just I wanted to say, for example, um, not only uh, uh, when I talk about my grandmother, it wasn't just also the man leaving you. She had lost her children. She was grieving so many things all her life. Yes, yes. So, so, so like lost. Yeah, exactly. I grew, I grew up seeing some people with so much loss. So, and at a very young age feeling the burden like I like they should have something. They deserve they're good people. They deserve something, something to go for them. Um and of course that impacts a lot on what you're going to accept. And it doesn't mean like going through trauma or seeing your family's trauma makes you strong-willed. It doesn't. you know uh experiences sometimes people conform to the same things and the same violences right so um, it's not a given that it makes you strong willed it it can actually make you extremely vulnerable to the same yeah. uh kind of trauma um in 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 the constantly feeling the need the gap to hold on to certain things and i say, i must say like you know uh thank goodness i i don't feel the need maybe i have a different <laughs> a different impact like i'm a bit detached like i can be on my own i can be with people i might not be with people and 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 for me from witnessing that trauma on my own and abandonment is an issue i have very extreme yeah, fear of you know attachment to people yeah like Yeah and to answer your question yes i'm a cisgender heterosexual woman yeah you said so so you see like it's extremely difficult to 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 go through this to see firsthand and not only because once you refuse to accept oppression as normal because there there are options you don't have to oppress people but because there's a system that excuses men excuses men excuses us straight people to treat people the way we want without repercussions so you can even come back 20 years and re-traumatize a person nobody will do anything right um it's just that that system exists and it's not uh, and yes some people terrible people but it's just we must understand how we all benefit in that system that that you are likely to use it's like being given like 
extra points for something you can keep it's like a weapon you always have in the back you know you can use it whenever you feel like and uh, and many people will use that weapon to 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 subjugate others and the more weapons you have if you're a man you if you're uh, cisgendered you know you have so much weaponry in this system to oppress people um so so for me it's it's that but also it's um it's the way uh, you were talking about uh one point uh, the role of women it's not just men and how we are socialized because every system even for whether it's colonized people whether it's oppressed women um lgbt people there you know there is a, there's a system of reward and punishment mm -hmm. that's how a system operates without those it cannot operate for long so if you do well in the system you're rewarded so the same as a woman that's why women they are going to cover you pretend like you have to be modest you have to you know it will be the women trying to make you modest whatever they they, they have been ascribed as modest the women will tell you oh you need to do this and that um i i think that we have to realize that like different people have different also different roles that that women also partake in this even as much as they are victims because there's a reward there's a reward like if you behave well you'll be seen as a righteous woman you'll be seated in front of a church you'll be an example you'll be revered those are our system um that's if you're married and you're proper or you have a husband this is how you know um at the end of the day this is your an example held up for young girls young this is an exemplary citizen that is all a system to reward and cajole other people to want to be like you even if they're not like you you know so and if you don't become like that example you will be punished yes and whatever way it can be through a law it can be through being an outcast your family feeling um ashamed of you and all these things there are different punishments that a system of patriarchy rewards and uh, you know punishes and rewards so we have to remember that 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 because of that and remember also as a man if you don't have a daughter uh, if you only have daughters there's a you you and you go to a bar men will be making fun of you at that point you know be like how can you have that much money and you're just staying with a woman you know all this work on a psyche to make you do uh, to partake in that oppression you know so so we have to remember like society is connected to those two things reward and punishment so can you take the punishment i think that if we have to change society we must be willing to pay the price and that's why a lot of people don't pay the price right. and and you you're more likely to say i want to just be married to be seen to be married just because everybody oh me says i don't know so and so right and you know i want to take on my husband's name who am i you know you want to be rewarded right even when you know it's a whole lot of work to change your name what if you divorce you have to change your name a man would never be asked to change their name you know you understand so you want so much tap into the patriarchy and the uh, backed by religion of course which is colonial and alien to to most african communities uh women would not change their names you know they would not change their names they were known as somebody's uh, wife but they were not referred to as somebody's wife they had names you know so 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 you, there's this there's this uh, you know uh tag between reward do i want still get rewards from the system 
Or do I rebel and pay the punishment? You're going to pay the punishment for it, for sure. If you're, if you're unmarried, if you're, you, you conduct yourself in a way that the system does not want you to conduct yourself. So, yeah, I wanted to just speak up on those points. Right. And, you know, even as you speak about rewards and punishments, uh, now, um, now that I'm thinking about it, I can see how even when those rewards, the, the, the rewards are very contained still. Because, for example... Um, you're a young lady and uh, there are these expectations that, um, you know, for you to get this reward, you have to be married, for example. And then you get married, Rosebell. Then after getting married, so now you're, it's not yet enough. You need to have children for us to give you further rewards. Okay, then Rosebell, you get children. <laughs> after getting children, we are like, uh, but your children need to do well. They, they shouldn't just be kids for kids' sake, you know? Um, they have to be up there, you know? So there's, you're always just a corner from shame, just a corner away from shame. So the reward is really an illusion. It's not really, if, I, if I'm thinking about it right now, the reward is really an illusion. And I mean, it plays out differently even amongst, you know, the side of patriarchy that also hurts men. It plays out differently mm -hmm. in our lives. But I do feel and I do agree with you that, yeah, yeah as somebody is saying in the comments there, Kambua, the rewards come with terms and conditions. So it's only up to us that, you know, uh, we, we value you up to here. And then after this, there is more and more and more. You never get to yeah. it's, it's how you, you have to be a man and uh, you have this pressure, be a man, marry another wife, right? That's but who's going to suffer with that? Who is going to suffer with that? You right. know, yes, you in that position, you're both a perpetrator and you're constantly a perpetrator and a victim of the of the system. And, mm -hmm. and, and either you decide I'm going to dismantle it and stop pretending that this is the reward I want and establish which rewards in life you want. And, and I think for me, that's where feminism comes and say, no, figure out your life. You, your worth is not tied to that what society wants you to be tied to. And I remember um, I was just uh, early in my work uh, um, career and I had just gotten a little, some money somewhere and someone was selling my grandfather's land and I approached one family member just for, for counsel, but I, I, I was interested in getting. And my, 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 uh, this family member told me, oh, I think, I wish, I, I want your brother to buy the land. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to say fuck you, but <laughs> I said fuck you in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah, but but you know the idea the idea is that okay, even when you are from a privileged family, like you're getting an education, the idea is that once you get university, you start working, you'll get a husband, go away. It's like they can't wait to eliminate you, right? But people like me, I'm like 38 and unmarried. I think they feel like, what is she doing here? <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not going away. I'm buying land. I'm buying my grandfather's land. I'm enjoying my life. You know, it, it's very weird because then 
we don't internalize so much the system of exchanging women like like dispossessing women of their home right like you even when you 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 you're being even when you come from a great family they support you the idea is like you're going to find a man the reward is a man always who's going to take you somewhere and you make a home what if i don't want it what if that's not my dream you know so so they really struggle with this like okay she's unmarried and and i mean like she hasn't really achieved until she she's married right and it's 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 very disorienting to watch him it's 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 amazing to watch people go through disorientation like they can't yeah. believe you have the freedom and you're not moved and you're actually yeah. enjoying your life <laughs> <laughs> And they can't believe you don't lie awake at night dreaming of being in a man's house and that you dream of having maybe your own house and yeah. like like you you you're there dreaming your own dreams which are not predetermined by some societal system you you look like you know it's difficult it's yeah. very very difficult and that's how women end up not, even when they're educated um not being in the labor force because you're you you expecting them immediately at 20 to go get married immediately have children and start doing unpaid care work in men's homes and they will never have assets True. you know you, you find a place men dying and their properties in their mothers their husbands their brothers <laughs> name this woman has been toiling has three children whom she has done unpaid care work all her life but she does not seem Uh, in terms of the, the capitalism the, the the value attached to women and assets it doesn't look like she did anything in her life and to be honest like for me my my grandmother was was lucky that you know she had kids and she was left with her land so she the disposition there that kind of often where women are kicked out of their property and everything and denied property up to now uh did not happen to her. so she had a home she continued to have a bit of that home but mm -hmm. most women don't have that security of a home because you you're raised from your home father's home to be kicked out not given land not to be given i i don't i, I don't understand and we need to be building that security like everybody has a right to belong and belonging should be determined by that person you can't raise me groom me to kick me out to belong to some god knows whatever place you know <laughs> i am i am very very attached to my home even in the village i sponsor football tournaments and I take part on everything you cannot detach me from where i was born where my grandparents are buried where this is where yeah this is why i can go to many places i can live in in other places but this place i belong and and for me it's an act of resistance because most women my age they're no longer there they were taken somewhere else in places where they always you will always feel half in half out because you don't you don't own land in that clan you don't own anything you know so so for me it's an act is an act of uh, resistance in so many ways uh, those intersections of even if you you're from a very well in middle class you're always pushed away as a woman go somewhere else you're constantly expected to be starting starting off somewhere except for yourself you're starting off with a man for children you're barely a child in your own home people are grooming you for departure i'm like no i'm here <laughs> i am still here <laughs> i like yeah. to traumatize a lot of people by that because they can't believe like they yeah. believe that a woman should go i'm like i'm not going anywhere and if i go i will not really go on i'll be still here <laughs> yeah. yeah well um 
I've been very disturbed about, uh, you see now, even as you say that um, you, you get married and then this is the reward that society is giving you to validate your existence on earth. And then you take up your husband's name and then it becomes your name. And then now that becomes your new identity. And then now you erase your family tree. Everything is just gone. Um, I've been curious about that because nearly all the naming systems that I know in African contexts and global contexts um, takes very patriarchal roots, you know. Um, even even um, many of the the women who come from like healthy families and stuff, they were still taking, many times they were taking the names of their fathers. Now, the mom, I mean, there are some naming systems where uh, you hear somebody was, was named after the mother's mother or something like that, something like that. Um, but I've been disturbed about the erasure of women's names um, when it comes to partnership. Mm -hmm. So I remember back, um, I think around 2018, uh, I was dating this girl and I was telling her, if we do get married, you know, I would love to take up your name as well, the same way you would want to take mine, you know. Um, and I mean, it may never have happened or stuff like that, but I've just been curious, like, how do we navigate that today, even as we are trying to uproot the patriarchy from deep down? How do we navigate that naming system issue to not have it erase the woman's voice, the woman's identity, the woman's ancestry? How do we, do you have ideas about around that? I don't know. I carry my father's name and I always ask myself, I haven't had the conversation with my mom, how she allowed all her children to be named by my father. Like all our last name is one, like all mm. of us, you know, my mom would determine the first names and mm. then the last name, I don't know how they arrived at that. Like all of us, our last name is the same. But it's not even the cultural naming system, you know. Uh, you know, this whole family name thing, a lot of it is Victorian imported from Europe. Uh, my people were naming children according to the situation that child was born in. So, for example, my mom's surname, her name is Chinarebe. Her father and mother, they named her because before her, two kids had died. And after her, two kids died. She was a survivor. Mm. she was the only person who survived in that and so it reflected like they have seen a lot it means like you've seen so much mm. so that in, in many ways would carry weight right you would know why your purpose of existence mm. it was in touch with intuition because it is a reason why you're born in a certain day or you survive certain things and we lose that by transferring our naming culture to imperial culture right very imperial culture that you have to carry your a certain name for example my grand my father's name which is my name is our great great like four great grandfathers before him mm -hmm. so no one else in our family line is named that name it's named from four generations then to my father yeah. So there was no order. Even if it was a family name, it would skip some generation. They would pull it out from 
different places. It was not some book that you must follow this and all these rules you must realize colonialism came to just like erase our culture. It's like, oh, you don't know how to name yourselves. We are going to tell you how to name yourselves. Your women should be owned, right? Trust me, women in Africa had, or, uh, in many societies had more freedom than women in Victorian England. Yeah. So the, the idea of ownership of a woman in that sense, erase her and everything, came from that, from colonialism. And we take it on and we think that it's normal. And you see women and men fighting like, yeah, these feminists want to take our culture. I'm like, it's not your culture, dude. It is white man's culture. And the more you understand, the more you take yourself out of that, your chaos. It's chaotic. And there's no one answer to it, you know? And my, my grandmother had a pet name. They even used to give them like, according to your, maybe your talent or your beauty um, from your clan. You know, my grandmother for, for a long time, like all her life, she was known by the, her pet name, which is from her clan. It was, she was never known as my grandfather's uh, wife, even if she was wedded in church. And all my grandparents were never known as, they had their names. People had pet names for women. When you came as a bride, you were given, according to like the, the good sides of you, it, it was always actually something positive, which was loving, which was an extension of love. But you know what? Like Victorian imperialism comes and tells you, there are new ways. It doesn't mean that women were not, you know, ownership and patriarchy wasn't there. But colonialism tip, tips what we, you know, even the small things we were ahead that we were good at, that they are told, no, you don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, you need to own your women more, you know, give them your names, you know, erase them. Like, because, you know, it, even if it was possible for a child to be named after their grandmother, maternal grandmother or great great grandmother, if, especially if you looked like that person, because we believe our, and I think that the naming and everything is an example of erasure of African traditional beliefs and religion. Because we were deeply, we, are, we were deeply and still in many ways, deeply spiritual people outside imperial colonial religions that are accepted as a norm and performed every day in your country, in your society. But actually, the, I think the detachment from African belief system really disoriented many of us. Because if you had a child who looked like your grandmother, your great-great-grandmother, if someone was alive and say, this is what they say he looked like, they would name you that person because they believed in that generation and carry on. So when you make everybody have the same name, what are you missing? You're really missing even like you're erasing, not only you, you're erasing so many generations because for three generations ago, people didn't have the same name in your family, in many, in many African countries, not at all, but many. So you're erasing so many people that you don't even know about. You're not only erasing women, you're erasing so much of your culture. So for me, for me, I think one of the very important uh, lenses being feminism is that it challenges you what you think in school, the education you're given is colonial education. It erases so much of African culture, but also promotes performance. You're supposed to perform that you're a religious, upright, uh, Christian, Muslim person. And then, and many times your African belief actually is so different from that you know from that and you you refuse you say we are a christian nation you remind us on national tv 
Which Christian nation did you did your did your mother did your great grandmother give birth to Jesus? You did not. You're not a Christian nation. You just imposed the colonialism. So you can choose to continue to adhere to the colonial um, religion, but it must be debunked. And for me, uh, I love feminism because it's not afraid of any system, religion. No, dismantle it. You know. Question it, find your place in it, and find the histories of that coloniality, and ask yourself, actually, what I'm practicing, who is this? What, why am I continuing to carry an English name? You know, I always ask myself, I say, I would not choose an English name for my child. My mother had the name because she was educated by missionaries, right? So she, she, she was good at choosing these white names, right? And, uh, and, and you know what I mean? Like, that was the reference at the time for her. But I'm like, we need to think backwards and like, what happened? What if, who are we erasing? We're not only erasing women. So for, for me, it's very important. Of course, on an individual level, feel free to, to navigate it. Like I've already explained uh, how people survive in, in oppression, right? Uh, patriarchy on top of it, imperialism on top of it, colonialism. All these systems have erased so many aspects of us. But some some areas you navigate, right? You some some things you resist, you refuse, and put an end to it. Like in my family, we are not going to have English names anymore. Like that's it's doable. You yes. there's no law that demands you to have that, right? But uh, as a woman, if I don't want to take my husband's name it should be free i should have the freedom and once we free up that socially and legally m make it like okay don't ask people traveling together are you married how come you don't have the same name that is freaking colonial we don't have to have the same name to be married that's not a prerequisite for marriage so i think that that's why like you know um the, the resistance is there and that's why a lot of times you'll be surprised that people fighting you will be people who's who, who are supposed to benefit from the freedom that you're trying to bring because they have been brainwashed and you know um i remember this quote i can't remember from who it says that the last place a colonizer leaves a person is the mind in the colonizer is still in our mind. So, and it's absurd that so many people then pay the price. Women, LGBTQ people uh, in our communities. You know, um, we, we live in countries that are colonial constructs. You have very small ethnic minorities. They, you know, when you impose that this is what, then they have to shed even further their own identity to, to fit in the mainstream. Yeah. So I think it's very, very important for for P, for all of us to know the questioning, questioning. And for me, feminism questions me, allows me to question myself. Why am I thinking like this? And also gives me alternatives because there's a lot of thinkers. There's a lot. All these things have been questioned and broken down generation of feminists from black feminists in America to African feminists. They have done great work. And, and if people read more of that and understood instead of reading that John Speak discovered the Nile, the source of the Nile, we would be a better of society. <laughs> the last place the colonizer lives is your mind. Harry Kondabolu, that is the name of the person who tweeted that in 2017, um, some five years ago now. Um, it's funny that uh, I have learned about masculinity more from feminism than from men around me. And um, I tell people every day, 
I have been raised by women. Women have taught me how to love. Women have taught me how to be gentle. Women have taught me how to, to be, you know. And the fact that we have very little material that makes men imagine themselves as beings of kindness, beings of gentleness, beings of uh, peace. The material we have exhibits men more as subjects or beings of, of violence, beings of uh, chaos and all that. Um, and you know, I remember this first, the first time I ever met Bell Hooks and, you know, she was writing on love and, you know, uh, the way she was explaining that patriarchy first mutilates the emotional parts of a man before this man can mutilate the other like emotional parts of the people around them. I was like, okay. this is something I've been battling with all my life and who has written it? It's a woman, you know? I, I had never come across material that was going to help me see myself as a man through the, a different lens from what I was seeing on the TV, from what I'd read about men in the history books that, you know, my education took me through. And so even today, and this is like my work is centered on, around documenting stories and uh, ideas from men to see so that other men around us could see that there is a possibility of being different you know um because the media is very very powerful what we see every day we we consume it and then we believe it you know so every day i'm waking up there is a rape story uh on the news um some guy has cut off somebody some guy has done this and then it's still a male politician saying crazy things it's a male person male person everywhere and you know subconsciously and it, and many of us guys don't understand this subconsciously when we are kids you're growing up and you're seeing these men have these privileges they are very distant from you all right and that is the emotional part that you really really struggle with but without you knowing it's like society is promising you this power in your future so you grow up anticipating getting this power without you knowing right so we are here in the 21st century and uh, the rose bells of this world is trying to tell the onyangos of this world no that your way cannot work <laughs> you know and yet here i am i've grown up anticipating the promise of this power so it becomes very difficult so you're now seeing and this is why like our social media spaces are very chaotic why because a lot of these cisgender men are struggling to keep to the promise they were given when they were young. And it's not like nobody, nobody told them this is what you're going to have, but that's what they saw adult men having around them. There were these privileges. There were these, uh, you know, uh, lack of accountability. Today, even when these things are happening in our relationships, very few men come up and say, you know what, I actually did something wrong to you. They just brush it off. And when I'm seeing that with four, five, six, seven, ten men, I'm like, then why should I apologize? You know, because mm -hmm. those guys went scot-free, they're okay, their lives are just going on and all that. And like you're saying, like with your granddad, 40 plus years, dude just shows up and then he has to be taken back because culture, you know? So I'm, I'm getting to a place where I'm saying we need 
more books we need more documentaries we need more movies we need more tweets uh, social everything everywhere that would help men see but it's very difficult to do that work again because the people who are fighting you are the people you're trying to help <laughs> you know and that that yeah. becomes very difficult it must be uh, because you know also um what men in formerly colonized societies are not privy to or every day is that we work in a we live in a capitalist imperialist society that at the same time you might think you're a man but you're a black man and there's an also a system that is going to oppress you Yes. you know it's going to show you your level <laughs> right <laughs> and it's going to show you your level in many ways that uh, th th that th that than you ever have thought probably um you you you, you don't understand that in in the world you you don't even know it you think that that system is far we grew up thinking colonialism ended white men left right the rule of white men is ended but it's not all our financial systems everything is pegged to that you know and um, and it's very important to understand that we live in a very very economically insecure society so financial freedom is far away from all of us yeah and and and, and that's why you know social media you can see a very very um very innocent post from a woman just somewhere having a glass of wine whatever she's doing enjoying her life the heat the heat that men you know the heat the men's part, like bring there you know i'm like I, you're broken man and the, yeah. this is not your enemy you know uh, and 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 i think any 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 um any idea that women are free imagine if you look at any data you know it's women's day next week there's a lot of data that's been published on on the journey to gender equality in the laws and policies and norms that still exist in so many of our societies that actually make women incapable like uh, break women's potential to be something that's still enormous but you know you want to see two women who seem to be having a good time somewhere and you say oh i don't know women of this generation i'm like yeah because you want them to be suffering yeah. sorry that's the only that's the only difference is like you would rather they suffer so then you can because for so long you have identified womanhood with victimhood mm. african womanhood or victimhood and available to serve you and the minute you realize a, ma a woman does not center men you want to kind of violate her and that's what what happens to women of all uh, um, uh, different social status but also women who are queer you know who would not center women men you know the minute you realize that you as a man your center is gone the center is shifted you the only response is violence mm -hmm. and that's what we see you know the violence that we see that is spiking and it's just we've moved just one st small step but people are trying to drag you back to like you know hundreds of years back you know and for me that is very scary and that's because men in our countries have to do the work again they come to spaces for example where feminists are they're like yeah you're always talking about girl child how about a boy i'm like tell me i'm all ears what have you done Yeah. from your own house which boy have you helped have you talked to today 
who which men who are there drinking have you tried to address you know what annoys me you i go back to my village like a lot of alcoholism right even within my society within my my family uh, it's been there you know the people who come from abroad they come from kampala for easter for christmas for short stints they are the people buying the already alcoholic men a lot of alcohol it bothers my spirit and whenever someone asks me for i say no you know and you know half of the time people i'm helping are women because all these men are drinking it's women i wake up when i go to jog and walk in the morning in my village at 6:30 in the morning women and their children with the hose going to to dig in the morning there's no man you go you can see all the fields being uh, planted anything there's almost no man you know who's waiting at the bar to be bought and go and who goes to drink is the men who are successful so that power unless we understand how women help each other and vis-a-vis how men don't at all have not broken these it's the job of the men you must break that you must address that it's not the job of a woman i'm not going to you're not going to subcontract us to do your labor we've been already doing labor for thousands of years and we uh, already trying to extract ourselves to find our own freedom uh, on top of helping so many women stuck in these violent relationships but the men don't do the work they would rather bond of another beer another beer they don't even bother to find out is your child going to school why are you at the bath for at uh, 7 a.m those men report at 7 a.m i'm like oh my god i'm shaken you know there is just there's just so much so much toxic uh, masculinity and the men who think they have made it they are willing to play the power game i always love how power plays are in because i go to our local bar we call it kafunda in uganda in my village i go to my kafunda in the village you know a few people would think i have some money they think i'm successful they see me on tv but few people of course they are mostly men in the bar they will come up to me to ask for alcohol you know and those few could maybe just one or two but you know the what men come they come and paralyze the whole kafunda. funda everybody should be given a drink i'm like performing manhood is so sad you know it's so sad and they also buy for me and i enjoy the beer of course but i feel the performance of manhood is absurd you know instead of actually having real conversations with these people and find out what are the current situation what is it yeah so for me it's it's absurd i sit at that level and of course like i have a few societies i'm part of in my village which are mo- mostly men and they and, and we talk about different things and approaches of different things but a lot of times men do not want to do the work of freedom they have been so used to women doing this work from you know financial even when men pretend that women don't contribute women are there digging food security of all this nation is lying on women every day you know which women children going to school which school visiting day my my mom, my sister the other day was um, annoyed by the school her kid goes to they put a question like make sure this is for mommy there's no question for dad <laughs> like how how do you assign a question to my child to be to me why <laughs> what in the world could that question be for a 4 year old 5 year old that a man cannot answer mm. and a man should not be expected to answer so for me it's is the the work of uh, 
understanding the moral, uh, the emotional distress our society is in, because we've survived a lot of trauma, and colonialism, you know, um, disrupted civilization, disrupted, uh, spiritually disrupted. People don't even know what they're praying to. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, they have these ideas of what they are, but deep down, there's just hollow and vacuum in their spirits. They don't understand their ancestors. They don't know where they're from. And, and they are, they're just lost in performing religion and at the same time trying to find refuge in the same performance you're, you're putting before me. How do you find refuge? We can't. And we are, that's why we're in the very emotional distress as a society. It's not just in African societies, but particularly in African societies because of the history of oppression we have had to go through. Right. Emotional hollowness. And I think it's also spiritual. And I think um, when I started my own work, my own inner work, that is the time all these things came to my glare because I realized, oh, my God, I, the, it is heavy. There is so much work I have to do. And, you know, it's not like it is so easy to call up another dude and tell them, you know what, I really want to talk about my emotions. We don't have the skills. Mm -hmm. Many of us don't even know, have the skills. And so I see how a, a lot of guys want to, to, to start, but they don't know where to start because these spaces barely exist. Their fathers are not mm -hmm. at home. Their grandfathers are absentees. The men they're seeing around them, there is just a particular place they want to stay at. So many men who want it differently have a really hard time and it's affecting their relationships because I'm like, over the years, it's not been easy, you know, to figure out. Because even me, I was socialized to think a woman will do that emotional labor on my behalf. So I was just there, very dead, like a wood. And I'm just like, things need to go the way I want them. But I'm not present in my emotions. I'm not present with my spirit. I'm not present with my mind. Always thinking that, oh, what do you want to control in this person? Oh, how do you want this person to show up for your own existence, for your own entertainment? Oh, how is this person supposed to live in a way that will make you comfortable without thinking about their own comfort you know to have to change that to change that and to start thinking that oh by the way i'm supposed to be responsible for my own emotions now you want to start and then now where are the tools oh uh where are the other men who can help me through this and through that and through that and so it's like i said i had to lean on feminism again which again is women's labor you know, because the material was there and I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm like, oh my, like all this has been going on within me and I've been very subconscious about it. And now it takes years and years to just chisel yourself, chisel yourself, chisel yourself. And I could say I am in a better place, even though sometimes I have really big regrets over like, you know, the people I have harmed in, in my younger years, like when I was younger and stuff, like people who I hurt and I'm thinking, oh my God, I wish I could reach to this person and t tell them how sorry I am for my actions, for things I said, things I did. But it's, it's as, as it is, like the work is so much and I saw that hollowness and I was like, you know what, even me, I want to do something about it. Of course, as an individual, you can't really like, like dismantle a system on your own and that's why i'm really big on communities because i feel when more men come together even in those bars wherever we are could we just start looking into each other just looking into each other you know we don't have to know everything just to look 
look at the other person just see them see them and because most of us even don't even pay attention to our bodies we don't know that is like so empty we are really really empty you know and it makes everything difficult from governance to urban planning to our spiritual everything to education everything i remember somebody some time back telling me there was this african conference going on and uh they were discussing around sexual and reproductive health and rights and uh this leader guy from egypt said you know what um women don't have any rights and you know srhr is not even a thing it should not even exist those things don't exist you know and so this person was representing a whole nation a whole nation in such an important space and their voice is what somebody else votes <laughs> you know mm. and then it becomes policy <laughs> you know and policy directs funds and so when we i mean i think one of the hardest things is many times when we talk we talk about these rights they look like very abstract things like they are very far you don't understand it but when we start breaking it down which is now the work you and I do in all our spaces to break things down for the ordinary person to see by the way this is what is happening within this system this is how this system is harming you then people slowly start getting to see it but as you say um we have a lot of work in our hands definitely you're doing the best you can and uh, i think for me uh, people being able to build emotional intelligence and emotional capacity is very important because we live in a world that every day refuses us to engage with their emo- with our emotions um we whether from constant need to survive because a brain has a way um i know myself for example when something happens terrible i'm a person who is who, who can just swing i'm a very it's very actually easy for me to block emotions and just look into survival mode what what needs to be done i need to do that uh my my mom had a terrible accident 3 years ago in 2019 3 years ago i don't know um and i had just come off a plane and i just got the numbers i remember i was unable to process any emotion for 6 months because i right from looking for ambulances looking for money calling everybody spending 6 months uh, 3 and a half months moving somebody in your house to they, they were just lying there cleaning everything like going through that until like on the 6 month i just broke down like i could not do it anymore you know um and and there are people like like that like when something happens they become paralyzed by emotions right uh, you have to know the place of your emotions right and some people just just cannot do much they just feel shocked and cannot move and i'm a, and some people have a good balance of like okay being emotion but i i feel like when something happens whether to a friend or something i go like my mind goes in overdrive to find i'm a solution like it's looking for solution and i can solve every problem and people will be like wow you know but at the end of the day it's like i've not actually I've not actually thought about what happened what, what actually went on what have I survived because when you survive somebody surviving you're surviving with them right it's the same like when my grandmother passed away and it's like running a funeral like very disorganized people pulling this and that and having to be the center and putting things together it took many months i was just crying 
every night like i did not know what was happening but it was just like you didn't even have time to grieve somebody because there's so much responsibility on you yeah there is that like being lost in the chase of actually trying to do things and get things done um a way like you can't build emotional capacity that you end up like crumbling right so like for me that has been a, a challenge to how do i actually realize like um my mind is running so over uh, and i just have to stay back and 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 look at like the emotional um situation because it's very weird like i can block like whatever is going through anywhere i can and get anything done that needs to be done in that as long as that situation is is going on but at the end of the day you just feel like you've masked so much energy like so much trauma that you just break apart right so understanding that and i think for men a lot of times even from personal but also from organizing point of view we i have many women circles i'm part of right i have many women i can call if something happens if i want if i want to understand am i on the right path am i feeling is it a bad that i feel like that like to explain my emotions to somebody and someone reflects them back it helps me process that is something that is central to my life i cannot live without it you know for me that 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 has to be there but also not only friendship but also in areas of organizing like even in feminist circles i have many circles i attend circles like meditation you know meditation circles from meditation to people uh, wh- whether you feel like you're in an emotional better place to listen and also i i i edit i edit a blog and a lot of times content is about sexual abuse and it's traumatizing triggering and sometimes I, i i just do the work right you forget like you're doing the work and it comes from i noticed early on like when i was a journalist you can film the most gruesome things and you think oh the the story's up we need to talk this person we need to make sure this person's voice is heard and then you forget like all oh, those things you're a human being right uh, so i just i i just don't think that women is organizing or even men in organizing do even a good job at building that emotional capacity because see our youth movements i was advising one of the youth movements on the continent and their gender their lack of gender inclusion in the programming but also in uh, in women and but also making them think of masculinities you know like you are you are congregating all these youth movements which are very adrenaline based and yes you like to see yourself on tv or the next leaders but what do you offer this continent shallow hollow emotional capacity and the chances of you becoming the next dictator like we are stuck with are very high i'm sorry and that's why we 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 continue in that cycle because you have people broken emotionally have not found themselves leave alone the uh, whatever the state is doing to them but even when as they organize they do not recognize emotional capacity building and are you and and stepping away from situations so you have people running over and over in movements and thinking they are running for a uh, wrecking havoc even when you ask within those movements they are terrible people actually usually <laughs> people you adore like oh my god this is the next leader if you find out the manner the manners they have and how they are unapologetic and how they carry themselves as gods to carry yourself to that stage i think requires a certain level of violence and that violence we don't talk about it and unfortunately even men in those organizing from social movement to social justice they don't i and i don't find them having an emotional connection to the issue 
for them it's just like talk 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 and see me i'm a star i'm talking for about women's rights i'm talking about the freedom of my country but what do you have emotionally what is there mm. you know and and uh, many times i've been called uh, by friends you know you know like okay you need to talk to this person you need, maybe you know because you maybe understand the politics but also like they need some emotional to step back you know stay back and 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 i've done that you know but the, what i realized there's not men doing that they have to call us in you know they might, even when it looks like okay feminist work you know there's a lot of feminist work that is successful flourishing women's collectives on the continent young women are flourishing even with no money because there's no one funding money for young women to organize people are collecting money for themselves to fight court cases of their friends like all these collectives coming together in whatever co- uh, country you go to they are there but 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 you know they are flourishing but alongside their paro these uh, what what we see as pushes towards democratic uh, the, the demographic pressure always is very male faced right so there's this there's this work that's being done but is not cross pollinated to the main uh, kind of movements that are sup- supposedly taking us to the next generation of leaders and for me that bothers me like that's why i mean like for me feminism yes i do a, a lot of work on my feminism but when i'm doing political work i'm like you may need to build your emotional capacity you're not going to lead a country by being a robot and uh, being praised and enjoying being praised i'm like no and and i think like that also roots like why i don't talk a lot about myself but because people are so obsessed about themselves in a very unhealthy manner like it affects those around them if you're leading a group and it's about you and your power and being careful about that power i think it comes from emotional hollowness to be honest it does it does it does man and uh speaking of speaking about yourself i'm really really grateful i know we can like talk and talk and talk there's lots and lots of things to say um you know we are catching up on conversations that started like centuries ago and uh we're here on our small instagram live trying to you know have it in bits and pieces bits and pieces so i'm incredibly grateful um uh, for you for just uh, showing up also with your truth today and uh being honest about who you are and your existence the kind of work you're doing i have enjoyed your stories the most because i never get to hear them anywhere and um i'm really looking forward like get that book done get that book done i am currently doing a book as well um yeah. the book is uh let's call letters and poems to my father and so in it i am just having these conversations with my father the child in me is having these conversations with my father things that i wanted to tell him when i was younger things i've been struggling with in this world things that i found in this world that nobody explained them to me um and so yeah. just to give men around me an opportunity to have a language to express the pain they've been in but they've not even been aware of it for all these years um and i want to go everywhere with it i want to go to it throughout out africa i want to go to the rest of the world because this is a global issue it's not just an african mm-hmm. thing you know um and so i am still i still tap so much from feminist material to just understand emotions because the men the men have grown up with don't get it they just don't get it um and i was like we need to borrow a leaf from these guys because they've been doing it for the longest time they have the skills how how can we now develop something that is also ours so that we can contribute in a healthy way to the development of this world you know so thank you so much I can't for wait for your book 
I can't wait for your book. I love your writing. You know, I I I I love when you're pushing boundaries, you yeah. know, and the talk of the people. Um like it's amazing. It's important. It's important to speak uh, the unspoken truth and uh, really really I'm 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 like your big time fan and I learn a lot from you too. But most important the the shock you bring and and the the struggle you can see it under the comments men struggling to understand what's up. <laughs> it's it's a necessary process. It's a, people we have to do that work, you know. Uh so I really really respect that work and love it. Uh, I'm always like under your comments to see what are people doing. <laughs> <laughs> the violence <laughs> the violence ah, you know so absolutely we have to continue talking and speaking out because i think like lastly what uh, some people say why you do do this and people think it's money but half m- most of the time uh, i do free labor <laughs> it's it's amazing how much free labor i've done in my life but yeah. um but you know like uh, i think it was alice walker who said that uh, activism is the price i pay for living in this world yes. you know you did not come to this world you know uh, just to sit by in things are not done for you some things were done wrong some things are going to be done wrong in your time your job is to make sense of it all and contribute and leave something you know leave something you know uh, if you're left you've left today and people want to remember just want to, just to reflect like what do i want people to think about i want people to to have happy thoughts and and be grateful that they met me that they that i did what i could in my time in my little time here you know so yeah. for me for me it's very very important so thank you for all the work you're doing oh thank you thank you so much as well um i'm excited for the people who will also find this video later and just watch it and interact with it for centuries to come because yeah. we don't know we don't know how long they'll be up there and people will just have access to it so thank you so much for even saying yes to my invitation i'll definitely get you another time wherever you be in this world because i follow you everywhere and um keep... come to nairobi <laughs> don't sneak in just let me in a rix meet you be ready for the madness i'll be there <laughs> madness so yes thank you thank you so much um keep keep us keep expressing your energy with us um we are also just praying for you and um adding you more energy and because we know when you progress we progress you know so for your labor as well which is something you can't really even get a price tag to it it's a lot we know where it's coming from thank you rosbell thank you thank you thank you thank you that is from me and all my ancestors and everybody who follows my work thank you okay and so for blessings of course <laughs> i take it <laughs> thank you have a lovely day enjoy your day and uh it was a pleasure enjoy you well. ciao so bye. bye bye oh that was nice and heavy i really want to give a big shout out to everybody who showed up and the guys who've been commenting um i saw you koi i saw you kambua i saw you shiro um many many things you guys were speaking uh, in the comments uh, i'm trying to see if i can catch any uh tibebe selasi are you from ethiopia great seeing you uh thank you for joining um 
Kambua, you are saying uh, that's why they are so anti-feminist. They feel they must enjoy life at the expense of women, just like their fathers did. Uh, official ecstatic, hi, you're saying we can't do work for men who don't even want to do work, to do the work themselves. Um, of course, Koi, you're having a conversation there as well. Um, and uh, Kambua, we are aggressively pushing back and rejecting the idea of submission and even marriage altogether. Um, Ethiopian nomad, you say that's so true, especially on social media, that is on violence um, meted upon people who think of gender differently, you know. Um, Kambua, you say, Rix, what you said so was so powerful. Young men grew up expecting to enjoy the benefits of patriarchy at the peak of their lives, but the women they were hoping to subjugate are fighting back. That is true as well. Um, Koya, remember, there's something you said here as well around um, knowing a guy, you know someone who actually took his wife's name when they got married. I'm going to come for you for that for that story uh, i really really like to hear that i wish it was more common as well um so yeah thank you guys thank you so much for coming miss muluya um thank you so much for your comments shiro 2002 thank you so much uh for your comments um and uh yeah and all of you who whose comments i may not be able to see right now because there are quite many i'm trying to go back up yeah and for those who just showed up and just listened in quietly thank you thank you thank you i really 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 appreciate your presence with me here today i'm gonna be having this kind of instagram lives a bit more often from now because i feel like um my platform can be used to teach me and to teach you guys um with the friends i have all over the world who have things they're doing um things to teach things to educate us on especially in, on our day-to-day -day life on emotions on social justice on relationships and mental health so i'm excited to you know be trying out these things and uh having you here with us so if you watch this and um we are you know not here live thank you so much also for sticking through until the end i really appreciate you thank you so much and may you have a blessed time